live from Omaha. Tom Hart, one of the uh, lead play-by-play announcers for college baseball on ESPN and the SEC Network. And he is in Omaha with a rare day off today, kind enough to let us interrupt a game of golf on your radio right now. Tom, hello from Mississippi. How are things in Omaha? Uh, it's beautiful in Omaha. Just just finished up 18, head back to the hotel, uh, going to going to hang out maybe go watch the ball tonight and enjoy a day off but man what a thrilling game last night i mean that was that was everything and uh it was it was so exciting to watch i don't know if you saw my twitter the coolest thing there's so many cool things about being here in omaha i know state fans are are aware those that aren't here now maybe have been here before but we happen to be staying in the same hotel as both state and virginia and we were back at the hotel last night for dinner and hanging out in the lobby. And as we were watching all the state fans getting ready to welcome their team back, we thought, wait a second, where is Virginia going to come in? Mm. Like Virginia's going to have to walk through this sea of maroon after losing, getting their hearts ripped out like that. And, and we were really curious. Well, veteran move, Virginia came in the back door. <laughs> and they, and they came in the back door and they went around the corner and they're going up the escalators and the state fans saw them and stopped and turned to the back of the lobby and gave UVA standing ovation. Wow. And I just thought that was the, that was the coolest thing. You know, that, that spoke to what this event is about and the fans that come to this event and spend their, their hard-earned dollars in Omaha on their, their vacation time. So I thought that was just really neat. And, uh, and typical of state fans, you know, they're, yeah. they're respectful of the opponent, and that's the way baseball should be, especially. Well, and on a night like that too, when their starter was for for the better for seven innings was Max Scherzer on the mound, and and state fans, yeah. I think, really appreciated feeling like you you managed to get him out of the game, however it was, and then you stole it, and, and they're okay with that. But I think state fans understand that, don't you? And everybody else, for that matter. Oh, oh yeah. No, no no doubt about it. I mean, given the fact that, you know, state won the game. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, that, that, changes, that certainly changes your uh, appreciation and your perspective on it. There's, there's no doubt about that. The, the fact that they started that guy, a couple things that Brian O'Connor did last night, which um, – really surprised me and, and those of us who've been talking about it. Number one, we had a meeting with him a couple of days ago before their first game. And he said, um, I said, well, how's your bullpen look? And he goes, well, our bullpen's great. He goes, we're going to use some of our starters out of the bullpen because McGarry's now our number two. Hmm. And I looked down, I said, the, the guy that had an eight and a half going into last weekend. Yeah. And he said, yeah, he said, he, he's turned the corner. He's a, he's a different pitcher. We got confidence in him. And obviously, Brian O'Connor knows his team better than I do. There's no doubt about that, right? Yeah. But I was just shocked. It's like, you're basing that off of one performance, maybe a performance and a half, and boy, did he make his coach look good. I mean, that was – and by the way, that kid made a lot of money last night. Oh, boy. Right? Did I he mean, ever. 9,900, and that, that changeup was nasty. Um, it was just really impressive to watch. So th- th- those are the moments that – that players get on this stage that, you know, with the, with, remember this, Matt, the, 
the draft has usually happened by now, but this year it's different. The draft's not till July. So players have a chance to move up a few slots and, and that can make a huge, it's like, it's like missing a putt on 18, you know, in a golf tournament, man, that, that one spot that you move can make a huge difference in what you're taking home. Yeah. No question about it. Tom Hart on your radio right now uh, with ESPN. He's broadcasting games in Omaha, has a day off. Follow him on Twitter if you don't already. Some neat content throughout the year, including uh, this week at Omaha. He is at Tom underscore Hart, H-A-R-T. Give him a follow. Tom, um, we've had a couple people ask this question. If you're looking at it from a state perspective, you got Vandy, Stanford, and NC State over there on the other side. And just a what if you, you meet somebody in the finals, you know, pick your poison, Vandy, NC State, maybe a Stanford gets there. Who do you like? on that side of the bracket with NC State in the driver's seat right now? Well, if you're asking me who I would want to see as a state fan, that's a little bit different than who I like and sure. why. That Vanderbilt loss the other night was perhaps more costly to them than any other team in that same position because think about how it was setting up for them. If they win that game, then you get a game Friday where you throw your number three, you win that game, and they have, they've had a good enough offense to win games with their third starter. Their offense has been really good most of the season. Then all of a sudden, you're into the finals with a healthy and rested rocker going game one, healthy and fully rested lighter game two. Mm-hmm. As it stands, even if you win that game, then you got to come back and play again. And now you're going to face a, a scenario that really opens up a college coach a lot of criticism from from the pro people, which is you're going to take Lamar Rocker and Jack Leiter if you continue to win, and you're going to throw them both on short rest. After Leiter had a really heavy workload in his game, right? I mean, he threw 125-ish. I didn't, I don't remember the final number. Yeah. And as a head coach, which you're Tim Corbin, that puts a lot of pressure on you because you're going to get criticism no matter no matter how it turns out on the front end, and you have to walk that fine line of best chance to win and balancing a national championship scenario with two guys that are top five picks, their families, their agents, and the the other recruits of their caliber that you've already signed or you're you're trying to get to campus. Um, So I don't think he's going to be able to lean on his two guys like like he has through through the season. Mm -hmm. Me, uh, you know, Rocker and Leiter on short rest where you really can't ride them hard and go deep, that, that's the team I'd want to face right now. I feel like NC State is just kind of rolling. Um, they don't have a ton of depth. They play the same nine guys. They have about five pitchers they'll, they'll use, and, and that's fine, and that's been good enough. And, and since May, they've been playing as good a baseball as just about anybody out there. Sure. Tom, what's it like to see um... – Ben McDonald's face like up close and personal as opposed to on a computer screen. Is that fun? And you and I were, were messaging back and forth. I feel like, first of all, I just appreciate what we have in front of us. Yeah. Um, to me, the second most important weekend in college baseball is Super Regional Weekend. Because unlike NCAA March Madness, and unlike conference basketball tournaments, which is also a really fun time of year for me, setting up for, you know, March Madness, or, or unlike bowl games, is we get a chance to feature the campuses and the ballparks and the local stadiums and the fan bases um, 
on national television as we work towards Omaha. And we've had so many, so much great feedback from folks who, who watched State and Notre Dame and were blown away by the, the crowd and the, uh, you know, personal facilities, the number of people who are watching baseball now who don't know about duty no field will blow your mind. It, it's, there's still a lot of ignorance out there. A lot of people have been exposed to what these home ballparks are. And um, I'm, I'm glad that they were opened up and fans got to go in them. I, I wish we could have been there too, but I'm just, I'm going to count my blessings that we're here in Omaha. Yeah. Tom, who did you look up to as uh, a young guy coming up in the broadcasting world, sports broadcasting? Who did you look at and want to be like? Oof, that's a great question. There, there were a lot of different guys. I never, I never really tried to emulate somebody on the broadcasting side, but there are folks who are doing jobs and, and games in the way that they did them that I thought, you know, if I could get to that point and do a game like him, then I would have had a pretty good run. So, mm-hmm. you know, guys like Nestler and McDonough who have been fortunate enough to, to get to know and to meet. Um, going back even further than that, growing up in Missouri, Jack Buck doing games on the radio with the Cardinals was um, the epitome of, of class and, and knew how to have fun in the booth too. Um, so I'm trying to think who else was out there. You know, it really depended on uh, on the event. Yeah. And, um, the, the guys I'm talking about, though, not only were professionals and call a great game, but they made you want to be there. You know, it, it, sitting at home, no matter where you were, and I grew up in Columbia, Missouri, I thought to myself, man, could you imagine being at Cameron Indoor? Could you imagine, you know, doing a, a football game from, from Death Valley and LSU? Uh, you know, the Orange Bowl always looked so cool on television. It seemed like it was a world away, and those guys had a way of, of bringing you into it and, and pulling whatever that site was and that event, pulling it closer to you and making you feel a part of it. Sure. Tom, I, the highlight of my television broadcasting career was I got to do a game with Bob Neal, who I grew up watching. Dave's dad, Bob Neal, doing yeah, the yeah. SEC Game of the Week on TBS with Tim Foley back in the 80s, early 90s. Um, and it was so neat to meet him. And I'll tell you the story real quick, and you'll appreciate this. The night or, or the week before I did that game with Bob Neal in the Superdome, I took my suit. I had one suit, and I took it to the cleaners and told them to let the pants out two inches. It was a 34, and I needed a 36, right? So I picked the suit up on Thursday. It's altered. I go spend the night in Jackson. I drive, or I get up the next morning, put on my suit. They didn't let my pants out two inches. They took them up two inches. So I got a suit. And it's a. I had a 34. I needed a 36. Now I got a 32. I can't even get them buttoned. <laughs> I, I I couldn't even get the zipper up. And I I cinched them up as best I could. I put a belt around it. I untucked my shirt, and I went and stood in the booth in the Superdome with Bob Neal, all disheveled and pants unzipped. And eventually, I just told him the truth. But he got a great big kick out of it. So that's the story of my life. There it goes, right there. <laughs> Oh, that is that is absolutely wonderful. You know, I gave the guys grief yesterday. We're getting ready to leave the hotel and walk over to the ballpark. And we can't decide which color shirts we're going to wear. We got blue and gray. That's it. Two colors. Yeah. And and we've got a text thread going back and forth between Chris Burke and Ben McDonald 
and they might as well have been arguing about, you know, <laughs> were you going to bring in a lefty or a righty out of the bullpen and why it was the bad move? And, and we're talking about shirts. I said, guys, I don't care what we're wearing. Let's just make sure we get over there before the first day. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Most people are going to be watching this on their phone, too, nowadays. So, like, I don't know. We see the colors that much. That's really funny, though, that they're uh, that into it. Well, um, Tom, I know that, you know, the event is is cool and, and you love it. We certainly love keeping up with it. Um, and it's one of those where, you know, every year you don't know you're going to have a team in it. So with I've got about a minute yeah. left, help us – to, in our own heads, not take for granted how special it is that state is there three years in a row and how rare that is. How do we sum that up? Well, to me, it's not just that they're here three years in a row, but but how they've gotten here each year. Every year is different. There's a there's an old proverb that says, "No man stands in the same river twice." Right. Mm. And so this isn't the same state team. In fact, we we're laughing about it with, with Rowdy and Tanner and the guys. They said the other day, they said, yeah, man, we, 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 we've got to burn the black uni, right? They're no good, right? <laughs> I guess I guess the last time they wore them, they, they lost in Notre Dame, mm-hmm. I suppose. Yeah. My math's right. And I said, well, what you should do is you should box them all up and chip them the Mangum, right? Mangum appreciates the black jerseys. And the point is that was a, that was a different team. Mm-hmm. And so you have, even if the roster looks the same, everybody's a year further along. It's a different team. So how do you? establish a culture that values winning and puts a premium on making it here to Omaha, somehow that's been done. Whether that was through Ron Polk or John Cohen or still having Cohen there overseeing everything, I don't know. But the players take an inordinate amount of responsibility to make sure that the rest of the team understands this is what matters. And, and we know how to get here. We know the movement. And even though we're a different team or a different roster, there's still bloodlines, you know, that go all the way back. I mean, you know, I've been spending time with Paul Mahanam the last couple of nights who's here. And, and you know, Papelbon was at the Super. And Rafael Palmero has been here in Omaha. Those bloodlines continue. And when you have the right culture and this continuity, I don't want to say it's easy because it's not easy, but it, it takes a culture um, of winning and, and valuing it, and it's not just the it's not just the players either. They're the most important, but it's it's the lobby full of fans that make them know like this is important and this matters. No doubt about it. Hey Tom, thanks so much for some time on your off day, and uh, it's it's a joy to talk to you. Great job, and we're looking forward to watching you the rest of the week in Omaha. Thank you. Appreciate it, Matt. Look forward to seeing you in person, buddy. Yeah, man. Same here. Tom Hart, ESPN, on your radio live from Omaha. We'll go back to the phones, take your phone calls, got texts coming in, get into all that as we continue in hour number three here in the Bureau. Hour three presented by Overstreet Properties in Starkville. Stick around.